It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. It's a full house. I'm Paul John Dykes. Who am I joined by uh, today? It's Lloyd Patrick Jepson, top right of your screen. Bottom left, Jim Orr, and bottom right, Jared Hill. And you will notice that that flag um, that is behind Jared, the logo from which is also in the top right-hand corner of the screen. Jared, tell us a wee bit about Celtic Down Under. Where can we find you? Uh, YouTube and all the uh, podcast apps. We're growing pretty rapidly over the last couple of months. So, um, yeah, it's good to see and uh, really enjoying the, just the growth in the podcast and all the extra new contributors getting involved. So we've gone from one show a week on a Wednesday to now every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday over here yeah. at our time. So, it's, yeah, it's good good fun. Brilliant. It's great to see. And as I was saying just before we went live there, we were in Glasgow, Barra's Art and Design, with John Hartson up the stairs, and he was doing a signing session, a meeting and greet, and people were bringing various things to get signed, and there was a major Celtic Down Under fan who turned up with one of those flags that you've got behind you to get the big man to sign, and sign that he did. Now, if you are in the comments, you are telling me that I never bring any of your comments up, so give us a shout and I will look for it, and I'll bring it up. Um, loads to discuss, but uh, before we get into tomorrow's, uh, sorry, Sunday's game, uh, you guys need to have the opportunity on Axholm, at least, to talk about the Rangers game. Jim, I'm going to start by yourself. You are famously not happy, not comfortable until we're 3-0 up. How did you feel in the semi-final? Uh, first of all, thanks to Natasha. I managed to get to the game. Uh, helped the aged campaign paid off. That was good. Um <laughs> And even I was actually in quite a good seat, but the, but the view is still rubbish at Hamden, really, really rubbish. Uh, cup football is about winning. Uh, it doesn't matter who you play. 
I think from a neutral's point of view, it'd be a pretty poor game. Nothing much happened. I think you can analyse these things to the cows come home, but it could have boiled down to we were the better team in the first half. We had a chance. We scored. They were the better team in the second half. They had a chance and they missed. And it, so it was down to that. There wasn't much in the in the actual game. I think in tight games, big games, team that makes, makes the least mistakes usually wins and they made a horrendous mistake. Uh, Maida was brilliant, and you know, a lot of the focus has been on Jota, but you know, Maida was the guy who made that, you know, quick thinking and just hit it across the goal. You know, it didn't look, just bang across the goal, and uh, and Jota put it away. So that's three in his last three Glasgow derbies. Uh, right foot, left foot, header as well. So, you know, he's becoming a real big personality. I mean, off the pitch with all his, his looks and his clothes and his hair and the brazen head and the bumblebee top and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but on the pitch, on the pitch, he's doing the business, especially in the big games. Uh, he look across the other side of the city, you know, they, they think they've got big players, but they never turn up in the big games. And uh, But yeah, there wasn't much in it last week at all. I thought, I thought it might go to penalty kicks. And uh, because the games have been tight, you know, I think the last time I was on, I, I kind of said that I, I didn't think on the pitch there was much between the teams and they get slaughtered <laughs> for saying that. I mean, off the pitch, there's a, there's a, there's a huge difference in terms of uh, the two clubs. I think in terms of, you know, we've got a stadium that's 20% bigger than theirs. Uh, we're bringing in far more revenue than them. Merchandising is better. Sponsorship is better. The, the value of the players is better. But, but on the part, the games have been tight, really, really tight. And it could have went either way last week. And I thought the defence were outstanding. Uh, midfield were okay. Fours were okay. But defence were brilliant. And I know Carter Vickers got the man in the match. But, but Hart could have got it. Starfield could have got it. So the defence got us there. And then once, once the final whistle goes and the realisation is that there's really no... No reason why we shouldn't win a treble, and with all due respect to Inverness, if you can't beat a team in a league below you, then there's something badly wrong. So yeah, dead excited. So uh, hopefully Natasha can get me a ticket for the final. That's uh, that's the big plan. <laughs> you heard it here first. Jim Ott is dead excited, and I'm going to dead quote excited. you on that, Jim. You are dead, dead excited. Uh, you've spoken about quite a few of the the star performance uh, in that particular game, and we're going to be talking a wee bit more about them. But there is definitely. Um, a vibe around this man Jota Lloyd I'm going to come to you first and foremost and obviously in this day and age where whatever you do can be documented and reported upon instantly not even almost instantly as it happens it can happen live it's on the socials it's all over the place and Jota has embraced the fan base he's embraced embraced this club we've had so many people um, asked Big John the question, what is it about Celtic? Why, why the connection with Celtic? You know, we know that he's from Swansea and he played with big clubs down south, but it wasn't until he came to Celtic that he had that real connection. What is it about Celtic? And uh, Jota, Jota's got that connection as well, Lloyd. And uh, we've been told not to fall, uh, don't don't get too close to your heroes, but the Celtic fan base can't help but falling for this guy. No, we can't, especially when it goes down to the brazen head wearing a retro top, which now I've retired because literally I can't look as good as what Jota does on it. So it's just one of these things. So it's, you ask these guys these questions. I mean, Alan Thompson as well, last Friday, we asked, could ask him the same thing. Why Celtic? I think we just love our players. And that is it, mm. deep down, what they give us, because they give us 100% every time. So, I would probably say that might be one of the reasons as to why we love these guys so much, but just Jota is, Jota is something else. 
He's got everything. He's got the the flair. But there's a a side to his game, I think, Jared, this season that we have mentioned time and time again. There's a resilience about Jota. He's not just one of these guys who, when things are going well, he'll do a trick, you know, and and he'll entertain the crowd. He's a guy that's been digging us out as well this season. Yeah, that's the big step forward for him. Like last year, it took him like run of three or four games to get up to speed and then it was all attack with the you know the the step overs the the flicks the tricks all that sort of stuff and now yeah what we're saying is you said an extra 12 months in Andrew's system with the coaching having a guy there like harry as a mentor to him as well and then having made it with his work weight right on the other other wing you don't want to be outdone by your teammate so you'd be learning bits and pieces from him as well and then also seeing Jerry go up the front with his pressing. It's just the development in him is just really great to see. And talking about the um, the top there, Lloyd, where you were saying you've retired it, the only thing I can think of is we've got a similar thing like that over here in Australia with the soccer is with Jackson Irvin. He just wears all these old retro Celtic tops out and about. He wears old soccer tops or whatever. So there's a similar love affair for him in the soccer setup as there is for Jota, and it's – I think in football in general, it tends to be the more you put out, the more you give out to the fan base, the more you get back, especially at a special club like Celtic. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, I think two things, Paul, as well. I think one, he's turned up for the big games. I mean, it's, mm. it's kind of one thing doing it in front of 60,000 at Celtic Park against St. Johnson or Ross County or something like that, but he's turned up for the big games, scored vital goals, and the kind of iconic goal celebrations as well. You know, I mean, whether he's planned it or not, who knows, but really iconic. I mean, that. The one last week was brilliant. And add that to the one he scored at the start of the, the first game at Celtic Park. Iconic. I mean, really, really mm-hmm. iconic. So whether mm-hmm. he's been clever enough to think, I'm going to do this, this will be great. I'm, I'm not. It's just fantastic. Great. It is. And uh, the, the most recent one, of course, in front of the uh, opposition fans, normally there's two things when somebody celebrates a goal these days, Lloyd. It's either everybody's got their phones out or everybody's hurling abuse at the player if it's an opposition player. This time it was just a, a sea of faces of despair. Everybody, there was a resignation that, oh, it's gone that way. Is it again? Celtic are going to beat us again. Celtic are going for the treble. There was a real resignation in the faces of the Rangers fans, wasn't there? I think it was a bit more of a realization as well that we've done it again because they make mistakes. We punish them and we win. So they know themselves. And I think that's why they were a bit more angry at their own players this time than what they were at our players celebrating in front of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So why did he do that? We kind of phone signal. He went that kind of like this. Nah, time. he went like that, didn't he? What was that? Mm. Who was he doing it to? Him? Did we know who he was doing it to? Well, you said mobile phones there, and that got me thinking that was that, is that mm. a kind of you know who's who's going to take a picture of this or, or, or something. I've no idea what it was. I just thought it was interesting. He did that wee thing with the phone, and he kind of beat to his chest, and he went. And he pointed to something which was there's there's something to discuss today. All cryptic, yeah, all very cryptic. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I mean, the game obviously the aftermath it has uh, rolled on all week. We've been discussing it all week, and we've got everybody's views um, throughout the contributors on Axon. But obviously, as soon as the dust settles, we're on to the next game. We're on to the uh, the kind of we never stop calendar. And the tagline today: How Ant has not only unified our entire club, but he's done it whilst dominating Scottish football. The guy can do no wrong. And eyes of the Celtic fans, I'm keen to get some comments. And if you are watching 
on YouTube and you wish to comment, all you need to do is subscribe to the channel. Also, give us a big thumbs up because it helps us grow the channel. 500 of you strong watching on the live stream just now and just created a monster and it's getting bigger and meaner for next season. Jungle Lion loves it. I think we're all in agreement with that. Sean Fairley, hype it up for the Champions-elect. Only one crowning important this weekend, the famous Glasgow Celtic. Yes, I cannot disagree with that, I've got to say. Sean, um, and Celtic follower is on the YouTube afternoon, afternoon all. Let's make it a beautiful Sunday with a win against the Jambos. Now, when I speak to ex-Celts, Jared, I, I do often ask them about their experiences, not only with Celtic fans, but at away grounds. And a lot of players talk about going to Tynecastle and the type of atmosphere you get there. Um, I mean, we're, we're looking forward to winning the league. Everybody else has conceded it, Michael Beale included. Um, but it's still going to be a tough game on Sunday. It always is. Yeah, 100%. It's always a tough trip there because, you know, the stands on the side are like right on top of the, the, the touch lines and everything like that. So it's always like you hear players talk about it, that the crowd is on top of it, basically on top of you. And it's and you've got the, the feralness that comes out of their support as well. So you put, you know, the, the way the, the stands are, plus their crowd, and, you know, we've had a few tight ones with them recently as well. It's um, the only thing I'm going to be more disappointed about coming out of this on the weekend is, yeah, we win we win the game, we win the league. I'm, get, I'm going to miss out on Robbie Nelson whinging about, you know, not getting a call going in his favour or something going in our favour or whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to miss that on Monday. But other than that, I'm going to be one happy camper. There's still a few morning face gets in the Scottish game, isn't there? Derek McInnes will take that mantle. Martin Dale will take that mantle, absolutely. But by the way, you mentioned something earlier. Um, Lloyd was talking about, uh, obviously, retiring the Bumblebee kit because once Jota's worn it, can you really better that? Uh, the next time he goes down to the Brazen, he should maybe take Harry Kuhl in a retro kit because I'm pretty sure Harry could pull it off as well. Um, we're looking towards Tynecastle, Jim. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the selection, not headaches, but some of the selection changes that, that Ange is going to be forced to make. Um, and some of the players that we've, we've not seen a great deal of this season, but who could play a part between now and the end of the season? Um and, and the likes of Anthony Ralston, Kobayashi, perhaps at centre half. Um, and, you know, there was this talk, it, it was revealed by Steve Clark that Greg Taylor was also nursing some kind of issue. Um, do you think it's time for players like Bernabe, Ralston, and Kobayashi to come in and get some game time? First of all, Lloyd, where your bumblebee top, pal? It's no competition, right? Just, just go for it, pal. Just, I said it's okay. Uh, play the best team. Always play the best team. Uh, get the league done and dusted and then we move on we haven't won it yet obviously we're overwhelming favourites to do so but play your best team tomorrow. The, the big man's out so Yuki gets a start but, but apart from that I, I would go with the team that played last week maybe bring in Moy I thought Hitati maybe a wee bit similar to Moy when he came back for the Glasgow derby maybe just wasn't up to speed yeah. I thought Moy did really well last week when he came on So and I thought Matt O'Reilly had a, had a great game last week so I think the team if, if everyone's fit, I think the team picks itself. And I think once the league is done and dusted, then you can then you can play whoever you want. The funny thing was, or not the funny thing was, the last time I was on, before the Motherwell game, the conversation was, oh, do we try and break records or, or play young players? And then we go out and drop points to Motherwell. Mm -hmm. You know, so you go there and you play the best team and you win the league. I mean, Hearts have had a pretty up and down season. I think until they won their last game, they lost five on the, on the bounds. So Shankland's back for them and similar to Van Veen. He's a... 
he's a main guy. Keep him quiet, you win the game. But in terms of Sunday, you put your best team on the park and and, uh, and hopefully that's enough. And if you're something like Greg Taylor, you would want to be part of it. You yeah. want part of the game that wins the league. Uh, and I'm sure Cameron Carter figures was, was the same, but I think he's a serious injury as opposed to a week and a niggle. And the cup final's not for another month, so I'm assuming that's plenty of time for Amy Niggles to sort themselves out. But yeah, need to play the best team. Yeah, play your best team, says Jim. Uh, Lloyd, I, I agree with the point on Hatati, uh, but I still see that as something of a dilemma because Moy came back and he wasn't at it uh, against Rangers. The same thing happened to Hatati there at the weekend, but the only way that they can get back up to that sharpness is by playing games. So what do you do with Hatati? I thought Moy was brilliant when he came on. There was a double tackle, uh, which was superb. It was just, you know, he wins a tackle and then he tackles a tackle almost, and he won mm-hmm. both of them, um, which was fantastic. Hatati wasn't at his best, but how do you get him to that kind of peak Hatati before the cup final unless he plays? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, it's the only way you can really get them to do that is by playing games. But maybe starting them or else giving them half an hour coming off the bench because you've seen me Moy, it took him a good few weeks to get up to speed. And obviously I think now we're starting to see Moy come back to a bit of form, especially after last weekend. So Hatati kind of needs half an hour, 60 minutes. You could see he was burnt out on Sunday, basically, because he's been out for about four or five weeks. So... It's one of those ones where you kind of just nurse him back into the team rather than just full full pelt, put him in, let him go 90 minutes. So kind of just get Moy in on Sunday. Give Hattati half an hour and they'll get up to speed for the cup final, hopefully. There was a moment, actually, um, where you knew that he was done because he played a ball mm-hmm. with outside his mm-hmm. boot that went nowhere. It went in between two mm-hmm. players and, and out for a throw in. And that's no Atati. I know, you know, he, he does try the Hollywood pass and, and all this kind of stuff, but very rarely does it end up in the stand. And it did on that occasion. Um, it's hard enough, Jared, for a player to come back uh, and to get match sharpness. And then you add the uh, other element of the fact that Ange plays at a higher tempo and everything's faster and sharper. So it must be a nightmare to try and get back up to that kind of level. I wish I was that unfit that Moy is at the moment. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> yep. The level Snap. that he's at, he'd, probably, he'd be able to run like three marathons probably in the time I've run a 10K, let's be honest. So I'm looking at it going... Yeah, he's coming back from injury. We've got enough depth in this in the squad that we can afford to bring him along, as we say, and you know, bring Moy off the bench, playing for half an hour. Now he's getting his legs back under him. You can start him. You can bring Atade through the same way as we're saying. Give him the half hour, build him up so he's good for the cup final. But like you've got that, but then at the same time, because there's an injury involved, you then go and look at the guys on the bench and the job they're doing with a guy like Ralston coming in because Johnson's injured and he's kept his levels up. He's not going to have that match fitness, but he's still fit enough to jump straight in and do his job and look like he hasn't missed a, missed a minute here. So it's kind of funny the standard of our fitness across the thing because once you're fit enough, have a look at what Ralston's coming in and doing. But, yeah, it's just we've got to show a bit of patience on, yeah. on the injuries at the end of the day. But, yeah. 
You know, um, you will have all seen the footage last night of Napoli winning the first title in 33 years. Jim, I don't know if you've been a fan of Italian football over the over the piece, but there's certain moments where I have been a fan. I think when Maradona goes to a country at that time, at his peak, you kind of follow his progress. And then, of course, when Channel 4 got onto the Italian bandwagon, I followed it then. But I've not really been following Italian football since then. But I know that, uh, obviously... Celtic fans and others in the Scottish game get a hard time for the way they celebrate games and flares and tifos and all that kind of stuff. I think what a spectacle last night was when you look at the way Napoli um, reacted to their first title win in a generation. Yeah, I, mean, I don't pay much attention to football outside Scotland. Uh, Italy, as you said, once once you start showing live TV, that's when people get a bit interested in things because, mm. you know, like I said before, things like... Back in the day when there was no live football and when the World Cup came around, you were dead excited. I've said that word again, dead excited. Because you've never seen Johan Cruyff, you've never Ange seen Ange has got Jim dead excited. I mean, that's the guy Live TV, <laughs> live TV. Uh, but I think uh, when Channel 4 came on, all of a sudden you were watching the kind of Inter Milan, you see Milan, David Gascoigne went there, it was, it was dead exciting. Uh, but no, I, I don't pay much attention. Uh, I think... Celebrations are a bit over the top these days. I'm going to back down to old, that old negative bloke. I just think people just go a bit over the top, and uh, and when you go a bit over the top, then when you lose something, you can expect another lot are going to go over the top. You know, and the stuff in George Square the other year wasn't too clever. Uh, but then again, if Celtic fans are doing the Gallagher, and obviously it was nowhere near as bad as that. But in terms of crowds and congestion and stuff like that, it's, it's almost like if anything happens next, you have to beat that one, and you have to beat that one. You know, and I just, I think when you celebrate things, it should be confined to the actual football pitch. You know, maybe open the pitch up, open the open stadium up and let the fans in and let the team get around the pitch and let in, and keep it confined to them because it does cause a lot of obstruction. If you live in Glasgow or live in the Glasgow city centre and you can't go certain places, I know I'm sounding like a real killjoy here, but I just think that it's getting a bit out of hand. And when you look at the thing last night, you think, what a spectacle that is. But if you, if you live there, <laughs> that's a complete nightmare. You know, and I think that, Whoever wins the league next in Italy, we need to do better than that. And before you know it, it becomes mad. And I think, getting back to the, some of the things that happens in the game, these pyrotechnics do my head in as well. You know, there's, there's going to be a really bad accident coming next. And, and I think fans feel as if they have to up the ante. Let's go more, let's go more, let's go more. And that's going to end in tears. So I'm going to do the old killjoy bit here that I'm not a big fan of uh, over-the-top celebration. Celebrate things. When you win something, celebrate. Of course, celebrate. You can have a great time, but... Some of these things just go a bit over the top for me. Lovely to watch, brilliant to watch, and quite glad it's not in my backyard. But hey, that's the old negative guy speaking. And it's I've made worldwide news. It's made worldwide news. And I was watching something last night, Lloyd, where it was not only pyrotechnics, but using drone technology. And it was sensational to see that. How do you celebrate? Are you all for it? Get the pyros out, no pyro, no party? Or are you more... Um, reserved when it comes to celebrating your success. I wouldn't say I'm all py- no pyro, no party. But uh, no, I, on the day I, I go all out and celebrate a few drinks with my pals and that, and head down to the pub, maybe do a huddle in the roundabout and stuff. So, so no, I love celebrating these ty- these ty- things every day. So not every day, most enough. But when the event happens, you need to celebrate it. Yeah, what's it like over in Australia then, Jared? Because obviously, you know you. And uh, your team were well aware of Ange Postacoglu before we were. 
Um, you stuck to your guns when people started having a few doubts, six games in, three wins, three losses. And you told us, no, wait a minute. This guy is the real deal. This is going to be sensational. This is a revolution here. And you were right. And we keep saying that. You were right. Uh, what's it like over in Australia then? Because you're celebrating because you're Celtic fans, but there's that added element to the fact that it's Ange. And, and you know, he's come from, from Australia. We know that he was a, a Greek immigrant going to Australia. He's an Australian um, and he's doing you proud over there. What is it, what's it like in terms of celebrations? It's the proudest I've ever been. Celtic winning a title in my life last season. And I didn't expect it to happen until this year because of his usual mm-hmm. betting in period. So the fact that we got so far ahead on what, like, of where the rebuild, so realistically, I think we're 12 months ahead of where we should be under Ange. But off the back of that, it's just like it's a guy from my country that I've been watching since 1996, managing the team I've been following since oh, about 1988 or something like that when I was five or six years old. And to see this guy that I've followed his career come to my club in Europe and go and do this, it's just I don't know. You can't put it into words. There's so much pride there. And the mm. fact that he's from my hometown as well over here where I am in Melbourne, it's just it's even better again. So it's just unbelievable. But it's different sort of celebration. Like you guys, you know, you can go down. It's just for us over here, it's like you just go down the pub, have a few drinks, have a sing song, whatever, and do a huddle in the pub. And, you know, the odd thing gets thrown around in, in, the, in the CSC, like a chair or a stool or whatever, because someone gets that rolled up and drunk. But other than that, it's nothing over the top like when, you know, Sevco went and trashed George Square or whatever it was the other the other year. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. But on the Napoli thing, though, I loved seeing that because it's been 33 years. So for them, I'm just like, go you good things, let rip, you deserve it. My only one concern when I thought of that is because I've got an old dog and he hates fireworks and my thing was, Oh God, you'd hate to have own a dog if in that area in in Naples tonight. That was my one thought when I looked at the video. The rest, I was like, "Off you go, cut sick." Aye, uh, talking about uh, sick, I'm, I'm sure there'd be a few sickies pulled this morning after the celebrations as well. Um, <laughs> um, now, Xander Mack, nice to see still good people in the world. Sorry, I've no gift other than a thumbs up, but thank you for that positivity. In any case, Xander, what you're talking about is. Us receiving just random kindness. And today, a couple of parcels came in the post. I had no idea what they were going to be. Um, an Axom viewer, Patrick Harold, has sent in a Celtic jersey, asked us to get it signed by a few of the players that we'll be dealing with between now and the end of the uh, the year, and then raffle or auction it off for St Mary. So thank you very much for that. It's very thoughtful of you. We then received uh, a T-shirt from the Patrick Sarsfield CSC in Limerick, who are about to celebrate their 26th anniversary uh, on the 25th of May. Not a bad date to start your CSC, guys. Uh, They've also sent us a number of pin badges, which I will distribute amongst the Axom team when we are next together. And then uh, Jim Crockwell gave us a bottle of Little Donegal Gin. I don't know, is gin your thing, guys? I know Jim doesn't like a gin. Any, Any of you guys into the gin? It's quite a trendy... Uh, drink these days. Anyway, it's a cracking wheel limited edition bottle uh, signed by Alan Thompson. It was donated by Jim Crockwell. We auctioned it off the other night for 100 quid and the guy came around to pay for it. He paid for it and gave us it back. He says, just auction it at your next gig. Superb. So we're going to do that and that's for uh, we Jamie Tierney. We had Jamie's dad on here um, 
last. And in fact, yeah, it would have been at the end of last year, Jamie Tierney came on. We're raising cash for his wee boy who's four. He's got a very rare muscular um issue which uh, you know it's a terminal problem that you can't get treatment for in the UK so four times a year the family have to send the wee boy over to America um, three or four times a year at the cost of about 20 grand a, a session so um, Jamie uh, Jamie's journey you can find it on the socials and we're going to raise some dough for him as well and try and help the wee guy out brave wee boy uh, so thanks everybody for your kindness that's what it's all about on a Friday Magnet 67 afternoon Axon team from Sunny Bot Windy Doa and built the foundations to his house now he is building the walls the future is bright yes he definitely is he's making that beautiful house look even better Robert O'Neill hail hail for Southampton we have had a large waiting list for season tickets I'm going to ask Jim this one first since Martin O'Neill era why don't the club Bite the bullet and rebuild the main stand to increase capacity. Right. It's a good discussion point. We're going to have it. Season ticket renewal emails dropped yesterday, Jim. And it's a valid point Robert makes. I know it's been raised. I think it was raised at a fans forum. And they actually broke down the cost of more or less um, bringing the main stand up to date, bringing it on a level with the rest of the stadium, increasing the capacity allowing us to sell more season tickets. I'm going to ask you, you're a money man. You think about spreadsheets. You think about would it work? Is it worth it? How long will it take to pay it back? What's your thoughts on it, Jim? I think about spreadsheets. Good. That's quite a good compliment. <laughs> Here he is. He thinks about spreadsheets. Hi, good night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it pays for itself, yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? And certainly in Champions League nights and Glasgow derbies, it sells itself. However, if you have too high a capacity, then do you need to buy a season ticket anymore? Is the demand there? Uh, what would be the increase in capacity? What would that detailed thing say? I'm sure. I think the main stand holds about eight thousand. I think the main stand holds about eight eight thousand. Maybe the main stand. Is that adding another maybe ten thousand on it? Something like that. It was. You see, this is the thing. People think about 80,000, but when you actually consider how it's going to affect the other areas of the stadium, and uh, even if you were to double the capacity of the main stand, it's taken up to about 70,000. So there's there's a potential for between ten and 12,000. Uh, Again, everything comes down extra to seats. money. Yeah, everything comes down to money. You know, would it, would it pay? Do do they feel confident it would pay for itself? Would there be kind of any kind of unintended consequences to that? That if you think I don't need, because that's what things were like back in the day. Old guy talking again. Back in the day, you didn't need season tickets. You could just turn up. I mean, I know it's hard to get this across to the younger generation, anyone under forty, but, but basically, football back in the day was like going to the cinema. You know, if you see something tonight you quite like to go in the cinema, you just go. You know, just pay, walk in, that's it. I mean, there's a cup semi-final, I mean, another subject, I suppose. There was a cup semi-final last Saturday. I live near Hamden, round the corner. You would never know there was a game on last night. You knew there was a game on Sunday. But you'd never know there was a game on last, last Saturday. And whoever made that decision is an idiot. Basically, put the game on at Hamden. Complete idiot. Because why would you go and watch, you know, Inverness and Falkirk when I can put the TV on and watch Real Madrid against Man City or, or whoever? But life was different 40 years ago. That game 40 years ago would have got two or three times the crowd. Because mm-hmm. people would have went to the game to see a game of football live. Because they didn't have live football. They would go and see it then. And that's the big issue. That, that back in the day, you know, very few people had season tickets to go to Celtic Park. People would just decide that, you know, if you lived within, you know, 
20 or 30 minutes of Celtic Park. They decide at two o'clock. It's not a bad day. I'll go to the game. Now, if you tell that to a younger person, they don't understand that at all. No, you need a season ticket. No, no, you didn't. Basically, it's like the cinema. You feel like going to the game, go to the game. You'll get in no bother. You'll get a good seat. If you go to the stand, you'll get a good seat. It's not a problem. You build a stadium that's too big, then that kind of mentality will come in again. So if, if it's a 70,000-seater, are they confident selling 70,000 season tickets? If they are, knock yourself out. On you go. If they're not, and you think they can maybe sell 55,000 season tickets, and potentially if the team don't play well. And that's another thing about about the old days that, you know, particularly, as you know, you, you, you know Paul, late 80s, early 90s, once the season was finished, because they were so far behind with like 10 games to go, people didn't turn up then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They hadn't paid for a season ticket. So mm. at the start of the season, you get, you get big crowds, big crowds, but a chance of winning the league. We're further behind, further behind. What's the point in going? They're, they're miles behind. And the club lost lots of money. And it was about trying to keep in contention. Keep in contention, the crowds will go up. So I think that the short answer is if, if they're confident it pays for itself, why wouldn't you do it? Uh, it'd be fantastic, a bigger stadium, more revenue. And as long as it pays itself, as long as it pays for itself, I think is the punchline is uh, to my answer, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is a, it's a decent debate to be had because obviously you think about the demand and whilst there's a demand, that's great. And as uh, Robert said there, there's been a demand for a long time. Um, some people tell me that they've been on the waiting list for a couple of years. Um, I'm not quite sure how long the waiting list is at this moment in time. But um, if it was to go to 70, 72, yes, you would sell out every game against Rangers. You would sell out the big European games, Lloyd. You look at the next two fixtures at home, St Mirren, Aberdeen, under certain circumstances, you would sell other games out. I.e. you're you're going for the you're going for the treble and, and uh, obviously the the energy is high and the positivity is high. But over a campaign there are gonna be games where you're you're not going to sell these these seats. And even if you sell the season tickets, the seats might be empty. So they're taking that into account as well. Um, I always feel, looking at the reconstruction of Celtic Park, I always feel that it looks unfinished. And that's simply because I've got OCD and three stands are the same height and the other one isn't. And, uh, you know, to level that off would make it look sensational. Um, was that ever part of, of a blueprint going forward, like the next stage? I'm not quite sure. Could it be built into the the uh, museum and and the hotel could that, all that be incorporated in I don't know because obviously th- those plans were released and then they've kind of been mothballed since then uh, Lloyd there's a great number of people who would uh, jump at the chance of a season ticket who didn't get the email yesterday because they don't have one um, is it about striking while the, the iron's hot I mean it's no hotter than it is right now under Ange mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's, you look at the wait I think the waiting list is up to Four or five years long, we're about six, seven thousand people That's incredible. on it. So the demand at the moment's there. But as Jim says, if it pays for itself, why wouldn't you do it? So maybe the club are looking at cost and obviously inflation and that. At the minute, I think Liverpool, when they were redoing theirs, it was looking at a hundred and odd million. So really to redevelop that means then you're talking 
something between 80 and 90 million just to do that alone. So is that, are you going to not buy players for a summer to redevelop the main stand? And so you, you need to look at that aspect of it as well. Do you want the club to continue to be successful or do you just want to turn around and say, right, okay, we'll redo the main stand, we'll build the museum hotel, incorporate all that and it's you can't have all your eggs in one basket and be happy. Basically, so. This is the thing. You've got if you want to do that, Lloyd, and I'm going to throw this over to Jared. If you're going to do something like that, you've also got to do all the things on the playing side. So if you've got mm-hmm. um, every summer we're coming around now, we're, we're looking ahead to the summer. Last summer there we had two what can only be described as marquee signings, slightly different from ones we'd had in the past because it wasn't a Roy Keane, it wasn't a Tommy Gravison, it was Carter Vickers and Jota. And we, I think everybody on the show wanted us to sign both of them. But we knew that it was a huge investment. If we go into the summer transfer window and we buy another two guys of that quality at that level, I think we'd all be absolutely delighted if the main stand redevelopment is going to deny us that, then you look at it slightly differently, don't you, Jared? Yeah, but at the same time, like we've got to be a bit smart about it. The Carter Vickers and Jotter money was still there from the previous summer's transfers. So that was already factored in and budgeted. So realistically, we did have that outlay, but it was already covered. Then when you get into the, the costs and the breakdowns of building the stand and everything, I think what we were looking at and it was reported was, I think it was like 60 million for that and then, to do up like the Celtic way out the front, get a new ticket office and the hotel and everything it was like ninety million for that plus the stand being done. So that's where that figure would come from, Lloyd. Mm-hmm. We did a deep dive on that on our podcast. I don't know, sometime in the last six months. I can't remember exactly when it was. But looking into it, the other thing you got to look at is okay, if we go to say seventy, seventy five thousand, great, that covers off what's on the waiting list. But at the same time, when you're playing against Livy when you're playing against, well, you get those midweek games against a team and all the Irish guys won't be able to get over for it, there's going to be a lot of empty seats there. Yeah. So then you look at it and go, for us coming over from Australia, if I wanted to, I'd be able to get a ticket to one of those games. But if I wanted to come over and go to like an Aberdeen game or a game against, you know, the other mob or that sort of stuff, I'm, it's going to be hard to get a ticket. Mm. One other thing that we brought up when we were talking about it though, Jim, sorry, mate, is that... you go, sorry, you go. And you've got those spare tickets on those games. They're the ones that you can really ramp it up and give it to the Kano Foundation. So if you're going to have some games where you know there's going to be a lot of extra tickets, you, you bring in and you implement that re- ticket resale thing that we're t- everyone's been talking about recently. And then those tickets that aren't sold can be given to the Kano Foundation and you can get kids in who want to come and watch Celtic. And that's when you're developing your next generation of potential season ticket holders in the future. So it's also, if if you can pay it off with the with the extra revenue coming in, and you're gonna and money in the bank is dead money basically because you know it loses value over time. So if you invest it and then pay the stand off and all the other stuff off over a few years, then maybe it's one less signing of you know a three million player or a five million player. But then if we sell a player, who like we've got a lot of sellable assets in the squad at the moment. So if we were to sell one of them and then that funds the purchases for the following season, then it becomes an ongoing sustainable cash flow thing for us and we're fine. We can afford it all and have it have it all, both on the pitch and off the pitch. I like that attitude. Have it all. Mm-hmm. Jim, you were you were going to make a point there. No, for- just a couple of things I brought in there, Jad. It was more the kind of a... It would be a high-risk thing to do. I mean, if it pays for itself, fine. But it's been, because the, the do-nothing option is actually okay. 
you know, we're doing well, we've got a lot of money in the bank, things are okay. So that's a high risk strategy. Plus, plus there'd be complete carnage for a season when it's getting built. What do you do all those season ticket holders in that stand? You know, different True. than with the Hamden mm-hmm. year where we the place. Remember to go the and temporary play. stand, Jim? Oh, aye. But, Remember uh, the temporary stand, eh? Aye, but, but, but basically in the Hamden year, there was a place for you to go and watch Celtic. So if you say we're going to rebuild the stand, you, whatever many is in there, 7,000 season ticket holders, you're out for a year by, by you know, the carnage. Mm-hmm. That would not be cool. Notwithstanding, that's a short-term thing. However, you know you have to factor that in as well. I think it would be a high-risk thing to do, but uh, just to follow on what Jared says, if you're a forward-looking club, then you do have to take the odd risk here and there. And if the money's there, on you go. And, and all the stuff, I echo all the stuff that Jared just said there, the Kino Foundation, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it would be a good thing to do, but would we bite the bullet? That's the question. Yeah, I do like the suggestion, Jared, though, you know, mm-hmm. the Kano Foundation, other underprivileged areas of society uh, getting the opportunity to come along, I totally would be behind that. Um, and on that point, I'm just saying, obviously, uh, you know, Patrick, who sent in the Celtic jersey, wants the money to go to St Mary's. We uh, now raise funds all year round for St Mary's. We, we um, released a single last year. When I say that, it still sounds bizarre that we actually went ahead and did that. We released a single uh, with the, the Wakes and Carly Connor, uh, The Glory and the Dream. We actually played it after the Rangers game. Uh, the time seemed right and Alan Robertson suggested it in the comments. We played it for the first time in ages. Um, and believe it or not, the way that the um, sales and downloads and all that kind of thing thing works is that it's taken until now for Ditto, who are the company that deal with the royalties to actually pay out. So the first payment is going to be arriving very soon uh, for all your endeavours and downloads. You even got us into the charts um, at what point? Were we number one or two in the charts? The rock charts? Unbelievable. Um, and if you want to download that, all the links and everything else are underneath the video. I just thought I'd give that a shout out because we're heading towards 25,000 views on YouTube as well. Uh, I'm sure you've heard it. Keep playing it. Put it on a loop um, and enjoy it because it was all for a good cause. Uh, Michael the boy, great seeing Ange taking the time out his busy schedule to watch the young boys, watch the young boys in the final. And he looked delighted standing there. And I'm, I'm going to make a point here, Lloyd, right? So he's standing there with Peter Lowell and he looks absolutely delighted. They're, all, they're obviously having a wee, a wee laugh together and people wanted to have caption competitions on the socials and all that kind of stuff. Superb. But if you cast your mind back a wee while, right? And again, this just proves how good a job Ange is doing, right? We were watching every single game um, every single nuance, everybody's body language and everything else. And Gavin Strachan was getting a hard time and John Kennedy was getting it. And every member of the board was getting it. Peter Lowell was getting it. You never hear any of the guys get mentioned now. But they're all no, still there. Don't. They're all still there, Lloyd, you know. And you mm-hmm. think to yourself, why is that? And it's, it's down to one man. It's down to Ange Postecoglou. He's taking the focus away from all of that because he's given us success and he's given us kind of like a belief back in our football club. Yeah, it has indeed. And you also give the board a bit of credit for also bringing Ange in and doing their research on him, especially after the whole collapse of the Eddie Howe deal. So they do deserve a bit of credit on that aspect. And Ange is just, he's took this club to another level with the football and everything we play, the players he's brought in. But you even hear Brian McDermott recently saying he was doing a bit of scouting work. So obviously, Ange is trusting all people in all aspects of football. So it's just, what a job he's doing. I can't yeah. praise him enough. It's incredible. It is incredible, actually, Jared, when you consider how much focus has been taken off all of these other parties who were getting it in the neck, they were getting criticism left, right and centre. And it is all down to Ange Postecoglou, isn't it? 
hundred percent. It's the you know, he sets the tone and everyone it's either get on board or get out. That's the way Ange has always worked at every club he's been and you can kind of see that with guys like we don't we don't hear about Strachan's laptop anymore. We don't you know sorry Lloyd you almost spat your water out there. I don't know. <laughs> and we um yeah we don't hear about um you know Kennedy being the defensive coach now, do we? There was all these little <laughs> things that was constantly getting brought up. Oh, we've got to sack Kennedy as our defensive coach. We're leaking goals. We don't have a defensive coach. He was the assistant manager. Yep. So it's it's funny, like how all those little narratives, you don't hear about him anymore because Ange has come in, he's done what we said he'd do, set the set a culture, got about it and knows what he's doing, and the board's backed him and he's brought in the right players for his system and the right age profile to play that way. And yeah, I think we've got that thing that you see Brendan Rogers, Claxton, he used to talk about the board, the fans and the players mm-hmm. being the, the holy trinity there. Well, I feel like that's kind of starting to come back again. It's unified, like we were saying in the tagline. I'm going to ask Jim because Jim, very early on, back in the 80s, um, was able to identify things were not all going too well behind the scenes, Jim. And obviously when on the back of a nine in a row and and you know on the back of four trebles in a row we started looking under the bonnet again because we were looking at uh, what's going wrong why is it going wrong who's been complacent who's to blame who's responsible for this um and but when things are going well and I've had this discussion with you before Jim as football fans and I think we're all guilty of it when things are going well you don't focus on things like that now is that us being complacent or is that because in actual fact Things are going well, and there's nothing to be concerned about. <laughs> Why do you watch football? You watch football because there's a team on the park, and hopefully they win. And if they win, you're happy. For me, it is that simple. And uh, football fans, in, in the main, are simple, and I'm and I'm one of those simple fans. Uh, and whether it's Ange Postecoglou, Coglu, or, or, or Neil Lennon, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're winning, for me, Neil Lennon when they did the, the treble, treble, nothing else mattered. It didn't matter what was going on behind the scenes. You know, so it's what you do in the park. And if you start not doing well in the park, then you go a wee bit behind things and who's picking the team and, and who's doing this and, and who's doing that. And then you, you start to question things and you start to look at the board and you start to, to do all that kind of stuff. I mean, what Angie's got uh, that, that I love that he's a leader, he's just a leader. I mean, I'm just looking at the tagline and how does Ange unified the entire club? You don't do that unless you're a leader, you know. Yeah. And I, when I look at the person across the city, he's not a leader. You can call him anything you want, but he's not a leader. The way he talks, he's not a leader. You know, and he might win trophies and things might go okay, but he's not a leader. You know, he's going to wind more people up uh, because of what he says and, and nothing's his fault. You know, he never picks the wrong team and never makes the wrong substitution. It's somebody else's fault. And he never does that. And even when things are really bad at the start, he never took the easy route to say, well, you know, I'm inheriting a bunch of <laughs> not very good players and I haven't signed anyone yet. And the, the, the easiest said, we lost the game and, and we move on. And I love that about him. I love the, the fact he's a leader. And in any aspect of life, the person at the top, if you've got a good person at the top who's a good leader, then you've got half a chance. And I just hope that if and when things will be a bit pear-shaped, that people support him. Because what was annoying, actually, now I'm just thinking about this, was at the end of the Motherwell game, people were booing. Now, were they booing the referee? Were they booing the Motherwell players for the time-wasting? Were they booing the team because they didn't win the game? It's hard to tell. So don't boo. 
dead simple. Don't boo at the end of a game because people don't know what it is, and and the media will pick it up to say, "Oh, they were booing the Celtic players, entitlement, and, 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 and bloody blah." You know, so mm-hmm. if things are okay on the park, nothing else matters. And you shouldn't actually know who the chairman is, or the chief executive, or the finance director, or whatever. And I know we live in an age of social media and people want to know these things, but when you're successful. The manager and the players, that's the bond. I mean, the board, forget about the board. Yeah, the manager has to work with the board and make sure things work. But the fans should, in fact, the fans should only be interested in the players. It's what's happening on the park that's important. Okay, it's the manager who signs the players and decides the tactics, but it's who's on the park. It's Yota and it's Kyogo. Those are the guys. Those are the guys we focus on. If they're not playing kind of all that well, then you're like, who's picking this team? And that's what happened in that, in that bad season there. They weren't the bad players, but you're thinking... Who's picking the team? The tactics are wrong. Mm. And then when you scrape the surface a wee bit more and you get into this bit, well, you actually wanted to sell those players, but the board stopped them selling the players. So we've scraped back another level and we're, and we're looking for the excuses. If we don't win 10 in a row, all that stuff is still there. It didn't matter. So it's what's on the part that counts. And, and that will that will mask everything. That will mask everything. But the point I'm making here is he's such a fantastic leader. That's what we've got at the club, a leader. Yeah. And I can't think... Apart from Jock Steen, obviously, we haven't had a leader like that. I think he's a better leader than Martin O'Neill. Obviously, that's a subjective opinion there. But in terms of what he does and how he pulls things together, Martin O'Neill had a lot of money to spend. Mm-hmm. And I suppose relatively, you know, this season's had a lot of money to spend. But he's done a lot of things. I wonder where Martin O'Neill could have done these things. Obviously, subjective opinion. But he's such a great leader. So yes. times now, so no, he is. He's a, he's a phenomenal reader um, of that. There is no doubt, and I think it's interesting that we do focus on uh, the football team in in front of us rather than looking behind the scenes because everything seems to be rosy in the garden. And uh, Big Red says, "Bend it like Jim O." Absolutely, what a response that was, Jim O. No idea what that means. Um, well. <laughs> You know, what I would say is it's a good opportunity for me, Jim, to say where are we with your plays? What's happening next? We know you're going to Vegas, but there's other things happening. Ben, like brought back once, I, I said two weeks ago, once we win the treble, I said that quite confidently, you've got three weeks of no Celtic and then you've got Ben, like brought back at the Kerrydale Suite. We live that infamous season. So that's on 23rd, 24th of June at the Kerrydale Suites. Uh, some of the proceeds going to the Celtic Foundation. We're going to Corby at the end of May. Uh, it's a one-off thing. I know there's a lot of people that are doing Corby. And uh, Ben Lamberti, yeah, we're off to Vegas uh, the day after the cup final. So I was a bit concerned during the week there when we were talking about moving kickoff dates and whatever, which is a scandal in itself. Uh, but Ben Lamberti, 6th of June in Vegas. And then we're, doing, we're going over to Ireland. We're going over to Guido in the middle of July. So if you're, you're living in the room, Guido, uh, come and see us. But yeah, looking forward to it. Superb. Keep it coming. Keep uh, the dates coming, Jim. Um, and because I think there was less than 10 tickets for Gracie's, is that sold out now? Ah, it's sold out now. Ah, it's just a small, kind of intimate uh, to get, if I use a football analogy, to get some uh, to get some minutes in the legs, I think, before we head over to... I like to, it. Could be, but I haven't done it for about four months, so this is to get the cast up to scratch. So kind of uh, half and half in terms of invited people and uh, some tickets to the public. Yeah, so we're good to go. Yeah, so you are the leader of that gang, Jim Orr. Madden 67, did the Jota Brazenhead Bumblebee um, get set up a Celtic? I'm not sure. I, I can't say for sure. I can't say for certain. But um, whoever set it up or whoever, uh, you know, That's a fascinating it. question, isn't it? That's a fascinating mm-hmm. question. Because when you see the pictures of him, particularly the ones that he's out the back and he's sitting, 
and a three black and, and white ones thumbs up and all that and the black white ones as well I mean, it's done really mm. really well so it's done really around. well the only good thing that would lead me to suggest maybe otherwise would be that he's wearing an umbro top and that would be a big no-no uh with a massive kit deal with adidas but that that's mm. me just looking a wee bit deep deep into it um mm. when we look at the game this weekend it's important to to note that prior to the game uh celtic players will be wearing mnd scotland t-shirts with the number seven uh, for we Jimmy Johnson, who lost his battle to MND, a horrible, horrible curse that is. And uh, the Hearts players will be wearing number 26 for Marius uh, Zaliukas as well. So that, that's phenomenal because what that does, Lloyd, it just, you know, people might say, why are they wearing these t shirts? And it increases awareness of uh, what MND Scotland are doing. And from there, you can then maybe find them and make a donation and, and try and assist them in their fight to find a cure for this horrible, horrible illness. Yeah, exactly. It's a good thing to highlight, especially in a high-profile game like this as well. So, well done to both clubs on highlighting that. Aye, for sure. And Also, again, a quick well done to Mark O'Reilly, who was at Tory Glen yesterday for the Parkinson's walking football. I do dementia walking football on a Wednesday, so he wasn't there on Wednesday, but he was doing supporting Parkinson's walking football yesterday at Tory Glen. I don't know if you've seen there's been bits on social media, but I, I don't did, know where that gets across to people. But yeah, that's hats off to Mark. Yeah, brilliant. No, it's Use superb. I was getting told last week, actually, or, or a couple of weeks ago, uh, from a group of guys who we work with on a freelance basis, videographers, and they were doing um, some filming of a, a group. I'm not sure where it was. I think it was in the central Scotland belt. Uh, a group who play table tennis, gym, and it aids mm-hmm. people with Parkinson's. And right. people who have got Parkinson's, once they start playing table tennis, you know, for example, the shaking element of that completely mm-hmm. settles down because they're engaging a part of their brain that cancels out obviously what's causing uh, that element of it. So fantastic to raise awareness of all of these things and uh, good on Matt O'Reilly. I'm going to talk about the Celtic women here because we're trying and cover uh, their endeavours and they're doing so, so well. But there was a wee blow last night, Jared, because they've gone out um, in Airdrie and they were beaten 1-0. But that's nowhere the story ends because there was some controversy in relation to a decision uh, to disallow a Celtic goal for a supposed foul on the goalie. Uh, we got beat one nothing. Uh, I'm going to read out a wee quote from Caitlin Hayes after the game. Sometimes, Caitlin says, she's been watching Axel, you've got to play the opposition and the refs in this league. That was from Caitlin Hayes. What do you make of that, Jared? It doesn't matter. As long as they're wearing the green and white hoops, they'll chop the goal off. What is it? Anyone but Celtic? <laughs> there you go. Yes. That was a, was a shocking call. What I, what I saw of it, shocking call ripped off and yeah disappointing but that's football I suppose it was it was a bad call and listen it's tongue in cheek in terms of conspiracies I'm not I'm not really getting into that this morning time we've spoken about it on Axel a hell of a lot but they've still they're still in with a shout if they go on a run from here and they win all their games it can go right down to the last game where uh, Glasgow City if they fail to win against Rangers uh, Celtic could be crowned champions I think on goal difference if Rangers also go on a similar run um, but it does open up the de- the debate not even the debate, the discussion around uh, some of the comments we're now talking about officials Jim um, Bobby Madden I think thought he was going to come out and uh, distinguish some rumours but I think he just got a big uh, a gas canister and threw it on the flames to be honest with you because he admitted he was a Rangers fan, simple as that what did you make of these comments? I think we must be the only country where uh, you can referee the team you support. I think that's just 
madness, and I think uh, Bobby madness. I think it's madness that we have that, and I think you need to you need to look into that. Uh, and it's not to say the referees are biased, but it does put them in an awkward situation. And you would like to think that you know if a if a Celtic if a, if a referee who's a Celtic fan is refereeing a Celtic game, that it would be completely impartial. But you've got that unconscious bias, that's, that 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 split second that you think this is my team, and I think. I thought I thought I thought Bobby Madden was okay in terms of referee. I thought he was not bad. I thought he was he was bad at the start and he got better. And I think the game that typified it was the one he didn't give Lee Griffiths a penalty when he was brought down by Clint Hill so in the Clint last Hill. minute. Yeah. Uh, and it was a, a, as big a stonewall penalty as you could get. I think after the game he looked back and said, Yeah, I maybe should have given that. So why didn't you give it? Was that unconscious bias? I'm not saying you're biased, but in the split second and it's the last minute of the game and and your team Maybe you're not going to watch them anymore, but ah, that's your team, you know. I'm not going to give that. So it puts them in, a, in, a, in, a, in an awkward situation, and I think everyone should declare which team they support, and then they shouldn't be allowed to referee their games. and And for the younger viewers out there, I mean, Jared said anyone but Celtic. Uh, uh, Paul Larkins did a lot of stuff, as you know, Paul, uh, in terms of books and and and, and, and documentaries. And I'd watched his documentary about that and, and, and learned things that I didn't know before. And, you know, things I did know because, I mean, I was, I was shamelessly plugging Ben Lett Bratt back there about the 97-98 season where the referee Bobby Tate went to the SFA in the second last game of the season to say that I'm retiring. Can you give me the, can you give me the game at Ibrox? Because Rangers are my team. Right. Now, in any other league... That would be laughed at. No one would dare do that. And they said, "I all right. <laughs> On you go, knock yourself out. I know. So you've got, you've got, Rangers for 10 in a row. Every point's a prisoner. Bobby T, a Rangers fan, asks for the game and gets the game. Yeah. Right. And then plays, and it's nil-nil, and he plays injury time after injury time. And back in the day, again, for you younger <laughs> viewers out there, games went on live on the TV so you listen on the radio. In fact, some games weren't even live on the radio. You're just listening to Radio Clyde and they're saying, here's a score update. And then you're listening to Radio Clyde hoping that game's going to finish because we've got a chance of winning the league the next day in Fairland. And then you're thinking, well, that's next. <laughs> and back in the day, there was no like fourth official holding up. So you had no idea how much time's going to be added on. And then you're thinking, that's night two, night three, night four, night five. Oh, there's a goal at Ibrox. And you think, oh, disaster. And it's Kilmarnock that scored. And Kama's a bit sometimes. You know, as it was... <laughs> Don Robertson last week, no giving that free kick. But I know. But the point I'm making is that you're not looking for favours. You're just looking for people to uh, be as upfront as possible and honest as possible. But the Paul Larkin thing, the thing I didn't realise at the time was in Love Seat uh, 86 mm -hmm. that the referee for the Dundee Hearts game was changed a few days before it, and the referee who got it was a Hearts fan, which I did not know until I watched that documentary. And you're thinking, Lord. Mm -hmm. We things like that could have had a huge effect, you yeah. know. So, but yeah, I mean, I I don't think referees are biased. I don't think there's a conspiracy theory. I think they're not very good, is one thing. But I just think that that in order to kind of not putting them in in, in that situation, I just think if you say, look, I'm, I'm a Celtic fan, like, you don't get the Celtic games. Like, I'm a, I mean, you know, I, you don't the, I'm an Aberdeen fan. No I, think, I think the issue there is the fact <laughs> that you might end up with not a lot of referees because you would imagine that both that most people are going to support the big two and therefore, what do you do next? I don't know. I think that's a concern they might have. 
But I don't understand, I really don't understand why we're not open uh, with that particular issue. Uh, and if we are open with that particular and I think a lot of these things are about being open and transparent and you're not looking for favours at all. Just stick to the rules and the regulations. Sorry, rant, this week's rant is now over. So, just no, it's a good rant. Though, Jim, if I can just jump in for a second there, Paul. Hi. You're saying, like, I was thinking the same thing that you just said. Like, okay, then you'll have problems with finding rest for our games and also Rangers games. Is the thing then to take away or open it up more so that it's not just the Lanarkshire Referees Association running the show because of where they're coming from? Because if you've got, you know, Aberdeen, Dundee, if you can find refs up there who are of the standard and get them and bring them through, that would partially address the situation that we're talking about where you'd have no one for us or for the Rangers games. I think as long as you keep it within Scotland, then that's okay. I'm not a big fan of saying let's bring in referees from other countries. Like I think you want to have as many referees as possible. You want to encourage them as much as possible. And I think this is just a wee thing at the end of the day. It, actually, it should be a wee thing, but it's become a big thing. You know, it's became a big thing because of the fact we're the only, I think, country in the world that doesn't do that because it just, it's just a it makes sense. But if one of the unintended consequences of doing that is you've no referees, then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So, you know, you'd be kind of rocking a hard place by doing this. It doesn't make sense. We should do something different. So what would you then do to try and make sure it works? Discuss. You know. The, the thing is, Jim, you're right. You know, someone did the, the legwork and contacted the associations, I think, of 17 different leagues and the only one that, that didn't come back Um uh, the only one that came back and uh, to say that it was uh, non-declared was our game. And I think that it's a simple thing. It's a no-brainer. You, you take professionalism um, of the game and you say you need the professionalism of the refs. I've said that for, for weeks and months. And it's easy. Mm-hmm. Either there's a declaration system, but it's easy to check. There's certain jobs where there's there's declarations about criminal history, et cetera, et cetera. It's easy enough to get these things checked with authorisation and it'd be easy to check if somebody's been a season yeah, ticket I mean, holder I mean, at a Scottish football club. Mm-hmm. If, if I mean, Lloyd's a young guy, he's actually a bit, he's actually older than he looks, he's a young guy, <laughs> young guy, if he decides, I'm going to be a referee, right, and referee's a Celtic game, I'd expect... Did, you just, say, did you just say Lawrence is older than he looks? No, Lloyd, Lloyd, what? Lloyd, Lloyd. Lloyd's actually <laughs> younger than he looks. At least you're here to defend yourself if necessary. Lloyd is, Lloyd is younger younger than, than his age. This was the right terminology. Anyway, my point being that if, if Lloyd fancy been a referee and got a Celtic game, I'd expect him to be unconsciously biased. I'd, I'd expect that, unconsciously biased. He would be. He would be. And he would see, be. And this is the thing, Jim, there's nothing stopping me from training up and being a ref. And it's quite clear that I'm a Celtic fan. So I would be on course of the bat. And that's where it's wrong, because that isn't right. I would be given every decision Celtic's way. Of course I would. And that, that is exactly... state of mind. Brilliant. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know who would tune into that. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for getting involved in the comments section. It has been a superb Friday. It's a bit of a mix uh, with Jared and Jim being on the screen alongside myself and Lloyd, we've been on for a while on a Friday, so thanks everybody for getting involved, 700 and almost 800 live, which is tremendous on a Friday, um, and if you are watching live, give us a thumbs up on the YouTube um, and also I said yesterday that if anybody wants to come on to sing the Jackie McNamara song live uh, we'll give you a couple of tickets for the gig uh, because, listen, you might come on and be as good as Susan Boyle, I don't know, but most of us think we can hold the tune and then when you get asked to do it, especially on a live show, it's going to be horrific but you know what, it'd be worth it for the two tickets so if you're up for it, give us a shout if you want to just buy it and come along and keep yourself respect then the ticket link is under 
the video. Jim and Lloyd, tell us about these nights. These are great nights at Gracie's, aren't they? Oh, fantastic nights. You get to meet Jim Orr every night, so... <laughs> well, we met, who did we meet? We met Kaiser. We met Kaiser last week. Kaiser can... We met go. Kaiser. If we Kaiser's met tuning in today, well mm-hmm. done, that man. Nah, he was a... Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a really good vibe about it. And I've said before, that Paul John Dice, he's got a cool cat. And I think you you get players uh, saying things you didn't know about. One of the things, I won't say who said it or what they said it about, was that they, they were talking last week about a particular Rangers player back in the early 2000s, was on ridiculous money. It mm. just stunned me. It was over mm-hmm. 50 grand a week yeah. net in their pocket. Uh, and that just shows the scale of what was actually happening at the time. So it's fascinating when you start getting into those kind of kind of areas. I mean, like, what was the best goal you scored and all that kind of stuff? I'm not that bothered about it. When you start saying, well, you know, this happened and that happened, you think, well, that's quite interesting. Mm. So, yeah, they're really good nights. It's a really great venue. Really kind of uh, intimate. Uh yeah, so get along if you can. They're really good nights. And you get yeah. to meet Lloyd, who is a lot young, younger than older. What was I meant to say there? He looks really young older. for his age. There you are. That's what I meant to say. Young for his age. You're older so than comes you look. A referee, you're older than you It's a compliment. You were trying to play him a compliment. It was a compliment, yeah. And I it took it as an opportunity to have a dig at Lawrence. It was, he was not even... And you get to meet Lawrence Conley. I mean, what, I mean, what could be better in life than meeting Lawrence Conley? That's, that's all I would say. Natasha was there last week. Kevin was there last week. Me, Patrick. James was there. I mean, say we, he's probably a bit taller than me. Patrick was there last week. Young uh, Patrick. Yeah. Young Patrick. Young Patrick. Yeah. But the real uh, question was Laura there. That's the real question. Laura, as soon as she heard that Jackie was coming uh, this month, Laura was all over that because she's a big Jackie fan. Yes, it's going to be a great night. And uh, whenever possible, we will raise cash for charity and we'll be putting that uh, bottle of booze. It's a bottle of uh, gin. Limited edition, signed by Alan Thompson. We'll get Jackie to sign it as well. Uh, as I was saying on the socials this morning, we got a £100 bid for it, which was just sensational. It's a 30 quid bottle of gin. Um, £100 bid. The guy comes to pay for it and he says, right, auction it off again the next time you do this. So we're going to do that as well at the Jackie gig and we'll be giving the money to we Jamie Tierney. So thanks everybody for getting involved. Come along and see us. Say hello. Shake her hand. Get your photo taken with Jackie Mack, who's an absolute legend, who's been through a few hard times as well. And we'll be talking all about that. Um, and enjoy your weekend. We'll be here on Sunday, of course, half an hour before kickoff, as we always are. Uh, all that's left for me to say is thank you to Lloyd, Jim and Jared for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.